Well, church, welcome again to 715. This is the sixth and final week of our Sovereign God series. It's been such a, a joy and honor and privilege to be with you these last six weeks. No, it's been eight weeks. It's been eight weeks. This is how, my goodness, this has been eight weeks of us together talking about the sovereignty of God in our very present situation. And I'm wondering if after eight weeks, your uh, stay safe, stay at home quarantine is, is as exciting and as fun as it was eight weeks ago. Or if maybe at this point, you're just kind of getting sick of it. And the new rhythms that you've settled into are kind of wearing you thin a little bit. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready for things to change again, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what we need to do. But here we are, eight weeks in, and as I prayed for this moment in this night, I felt a strong conviction to teach on how do we find peace. The title of tonight's message is just finding peace. How do we find peace? Peace. How do we deal with disruption? And do we have a sovereign God who can give us peace? And really the question for us, and I know you, you know, I've been watching each service uh, on Wednesday nights with you guys after the fact and and watching the chat and stuff. And um, it's been great to, to be with this group of people on Wednesday nights. So I know we've got to take what we know to be true about God and make that our lived experience. We've got to move from just knowing things about God to letting that truly transform and change our reality. And so that's what tonight I want to talk about. How do we find peace? And I want to look at uh, the book of John. John chapter 16, just three verses there. And what's going on here is that Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. He's been preparing them. He's been trying to give them some final words and some instruction and trying to to leave them in a good place. He's trying to to preempt the chaos that is to come. He knows he's about to be arrested, falsely accused, murdered, hung on a cross, and resurrected, and then depart from them yet again as he ascends. Uh, And they don't know that. And he's been trying to explain this to them, and they just aren't, they're just not getting it. They're just not quite getting it. So Jesus is yet again here in John 16 trying to preempt their chaos. He's trying to let them know what's coming. And I wonder, don't you wish, don't you wish you had somebody that would let you know what was coming? That would have preempted the chaos, that would have let you know eight weeks ago, buy some stock in Charmin, buy some stock in Zoom, pull your retirement out for a little bit. Wouldn't you have liked somebody to let you know what was coming down the road so you could prepare yourself for it a little bit better? That's what Jesus is doing here. He's trying to prepare them for the reality that their world was about to be shaken up, that their concept of normal was about to depart from them radically, that they were about to be disrupted. And he was going to give them some instruction and some hope. And so in John 16, verse 31 through 33, here's what he says. Jesus answered them. Let me read it from my Bible, make it look real official. Make it look like how Pastor Cord preaches with that good big leather Bible. That's how I want to be, holy. John 16, chapter 31, verse 31. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it is come when you will be scattered, each to your own home, and you will leave me alone. First of all, 
It's like this Bible is a living and active word. Are you kidding me? There is coming a time, in fact, it's here when we will be scattered, each of us to our own homes. It's almost like this thing is sharper than a two-edged sword, like Pastor Tiffany was just saying. It's almost like this word is, is alive for us today. It's almost like Jesus was speaking to us today, but way back then. Let's keep going. This is good. Yet I am not alone, he says, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and meet us in this moment and speak through me? Would you open my mouth and fill it with your words, Father, that you might be seen, that you might be glorified in Jesus' name? How do we find peace? How do we take the promise of tribulation, the promise of disruption, the promise of chaos, the promise of confrontation, how do we take the promise of all of that mess and allow it to produce peace in our lives? How do we do that? How do we let this tension that we live in result in peace that we can walk in? There is a promise of tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulations. And I don't think for us, that's a hard truth to grasp. I think we've got that. We are in the middle of one. It's been eight weeks of this. And if the quarantine is not making you crazy, you're like, I'm thriving. You've got your own issues in your own life that you have walked through or you will walk through. In this world, we will have tribulation. But that's not what's interesting to me about this passage. What's interesting is the fact that Jesus is acknowledging it which means that Jesus is allowing it. If he's telling us we're gonna have tribulations, it means he knows, he knows what's coming. And the God of the universe could stop it, but he's allowing it. Why is that? Well, one obvious reason is the fact that we are all sinners. We are all broken. We are all just bent wrong from birth. It's like, you know, one of those great apologetic questions is, is, is well, 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 if God is good, why do bad things happen to good people? And let me just tell you, there is a flawed assumption in that question that this idea of good people just doesn't exist. If you really reflect, if you really look inward at yourself in your dark moments, in your quiet moments, in the back of your mind, you would realize all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What happens is this world is, is we just spew that all over each other. Our, our inner brokenness just, just comes flowing out of our mouths in insecurity and in anger and lust and fear and pride and ego and in all kinds of things. We give each other problems. But why does Jesus allow it though? On top of that, you know, he's a God who redeems all things. So this is more than just our sin nature manifesting itself. This is God using this. And in some ways, this becomes one of the most freeing things that Jesus can tell us, that in this world, we will have tribulations. So that means we don't have to fear our tribulations. We don't have to be afraid. We know they're coming. We have an answer for them. We don't need to be afraid. In fact, like what Paul says in Romans 5, we should rather rejoice in our sufferings. We should celebrate, we should worship, we should praise God, we should, we should thank him in the middle of our tribulation because of what it's doing inside of us what it's producing. You know, our tribulations, our suffering, our disruption, our chaos, whatever words you want to use, whichever one resonates with you, those things reveal, 
They don't deposit something new in you. They are revealing what is already within you. When you shake up a bottle of water, like if I took the lid off this and I shook this up, there it goes. Water comes out of it. The shaking did not deposit water in it. The shaking revealed what was already there and what came spilling out of us. And we are now in a season, all of us, where we have been stretched, pushed, pressed, challenged, run to the end of our limit. And we are seeing what is within us. And if you're like me, you're realizing that what's within me is not sufficient. It's not good. It's not that great like I thought it was going to be. I'm pushed to the end of myself. In this season, it's challenging me. And what is bubbling up out of me is not good enough. Jesus says this. The time is coming. In fact, it's here. You're going to be scattered each of you disciples, to your own home, and you will leave me alone. This is the instinct that we all have, this instinct to abandon Jesus, to leave him where we last saw him, to run from him, to cower in fear, to react in anger, to run, to hide, to fight, to whatever it is. We have an instinct within us to abandon him when it gets hard. We run from him. We don't want anything to do with him. We're going to rely on our own strength. We're going to look within and try to, try to overcome with what we have. And I think what we're seeing is that we're not enough. We're not sufficient. And what Jesus is saying to us is, you are going to leave me alone, but I'm not alone. I'm with the Father. The Father is with me. And if you would seek me, if you would come and find me, you would see where I am. I am with the Father. And I love you and the Father loves me and out of his love for me and our love for you, if you would just ask him, you would receive what you ask for. Six times in John chapter 14 through John chapter 16, he says, if you would just ask, you would receive. He says, you have not because you ask not. Come and seek me. Come and ask me. Do you know the love that Jesus has for you? The love God the Father has for you. You want to find peace? We got to seek Jesus, find him with the Father, and ask for it. And not these namby-pamby, wishy-washy prayers of like, God, if you would, just it would be great and help me. No, would you be bold in your prayer? Would you ask with the expectation to receive? God, would you take my doubt and my lack of faith away from me? And would you replace it with something stronger than I am? God, would you help me to forgive my spouse? Would you help me to quiet the anger, the pride, the, the, the fear, the depression within me? God, would you take it from me and replace it with your presence and your goodness? You want to find peace. We've got to seek Jesus, and we've got to repent from this instinct that we have to abandon him and to run from him. There's no shame in that, by the way. If that's you, if this season has challenged your faith, you're like a lot of other people. You're like a lot of us, where our faith is tested and we're searching, trying to find God. There's no condemnation in that. There's grace for that. But we've got to repent from that and turn back to the Father. These trials, these tribulations, these chaos, this disruption, it reveals what's already within us. 
And too many of us mistake the presence of trials for the absence of God. But the presence of trials does not indicate the absence of God. Often if we would look closer, the presence of trials in our life is that which is causing us to call on God like we've never called on him before, to seek him like we've never sought him before. I was on the phone with a guy yesterday who was just telling me he is at the end of his rope and he needs Jesus and he doesn't even know if he's real or not. He has a lot of questions in his faith, but he's prayed and he's, got, he's asked God before and he's like, I don't even know if that matters. I don't even know if he hears me, but I'm asking him. And I said, do you realize what you're saying? You being at the end of yourself has resulted in you calling on a God who is wooing you back to him. And the presence of your trial is evidence that there is a God who is saying, come close to me. I'm still here. You can't do it in your own strength. I'm right where you left me. I haven't gone anywhere. The presence of trials does not indicate the absence of God. Often in them, we find that he's closer than he's ever been before. So Jesus says, you can take heart. You can have courage. You can be bold because I have overcome the world. He says, I have said these things that in me, you would have peace. Do you understand the power of that statement? His desire for us is to what? His desire is that we would have peace. I have said this. I have given you a heads up. I have warned you. I have told you these things that in me, you would have peace. In me, you will, pull your Bible out, circle that in green, highlight it, crisscross it, you will have peace. That is what Jesus is saying to him. We've got to realize that when the stuff that's within us gets revealed and we come face to face with the reality that we're not enough, we've got to then choose to believe, choose to have courage, choose to with faith believe that Jesus is the one who can provide our peace because he has overcome that which is in this world. And that if we look to him, we would find a wellspring of living water that does not run dry, that is our source, that is our sustenance, that is our provision in these times. But we've got to have faith with that, to be a part of that, to activate that, to trust that, God, you're going to meet me when I call on you and that you will be the source that I can draw from. In me, he says, in me, in me, you will have peace. This, um, this shaking up season, these unprecedented times, I think they've gotten us all just looking at ourselves um, inwardly, confronting our reality. We've all been, I think, stretched. You've been challenged. You've been, you've been pressed. You've been confronted with, with really who you are deep down. After, after you stayed at home with the same people for so long and in this new rhythm where you're, where you're trying, to be, trying to be a wife, you're trying to be a mom, you're trying to be a school teacher, you're trying to be an employee, you're trying to be your own individual as well and there's just not enough time to do all those things and the demands are wearing you thin. All of us are experiencing that on some level. This is our inner sin nature rearing its ugly head. We're confronted with the reality that we're not all that we thought we were. We don't have it together like we, we, we thought we had it together. We weren't ready for anything, ready to take over the world like we thought we, we were at one point in time. 
For many of us, this is a hard reality to confront. This sin nature is, is within us. Many of us will just ignore that and not confront it at all and not acknowledge it at all. We'll just ignore that, that the problem is us. Others of us will, will immediately blame the nearest person or the nearest situation. Well if, well, if she didn't say that, I wouldn't have reacted. And if they didn't do that, I wouldn't have said what I said. And if, and if the coronavirus would have just, and if, and if they would have just, it's really not my fault. We'll blame somebody else for what is inherently our own sin nature. And for a lot of us, we'll just cope and just numb it. And we'll watch too much TV. We'll read too much social media. We'll eat too much food. We'll drink too much alcohol. We will just numb ourselves to the pain. We'll give ourselves to old sin patterns and old habits so we just don't have to feel and confront the reality that we are a little bit more broken than we thought we were. All of us, hear me now. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of reality because there's good news coming at the end of this, okay? So hang with me here. We are all confronted with the reality of how insufficient we are in this season. It's just shaking us up. It's like a, it's like a can of soda, just ready to, ready to burst if someone would, if someone would just say one more again, just one more again, I wish you would. Corey, could you come up here and help me with this? I really don't want to do this to myself. If you would... Just one more time, if you just say it, woo, the pressure, the pressure is building. The pressure is building. Come over here. Stand over here with me. The pressure is building. In this season, my wife, she just said again, my coworkers just said, my kids just said, um, pressure's building. The pressure's building. Would you open that for me? No, no, you don't want to? This is your problems. This is, turn it around, show them. This is Corey. That's not my problems. This is your problems. This is Corey Bendix. This is Corey Bendix. That's what's within you. It's being revealed in this season. So go ahead and open it. You don't want to? Why not? I mean, I get it. Listen, I get it. We never want to open our mess on ourselves. We never want to open our mess on ourselves. We're okay lashing out at those around us. We're okay with letting our sin spill itself on somebody else. We're, we're okay with letting what's within us be, be, be vomited out on others. But no, no, I'm not going to take it out of myself. Sure. How about this? I'll do it with you. I, I brought my own bottle. Now, your problems are a little bit bigger than me, yeah. mine. But I think we all knew that at some level. Yeah, I'll shake it up. I'll, sh- I'll, I'll shake mine up. And on three, you want to do it together on three? You gonna do it? You sure? Let's do it. Let's go for it. Are you sure? You gonna do this? How about this? How about this? You know, in John 16, what Jesus says is, I've said these things that in me you would have peace. In John 14, he says, My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. So what if I gave you my problems? And what if I took your problems? Would you open it now? No hesitation. Would you drink from it? That's good water. 
What I'm trying to say, church, is that this is what Jesus has done for us. He has made a beautiful exchange. He has given us his still and living water. And in return, he has made us, there it goes. He has given us the opportunity to spill our chaos all over him. To vomit our mess all over him. And in return, he has given us living water. Psalm 23 says, he leads me beside what? Still waters. Why? That we might drink and be filled with still waters. So that when the seasons come and they shake us up and they mess us up, what is produced out of us is stillness, is quietness, is the living word of God. How do we find peace? We let the good shepherd lead us by still waters. We let the good shepherd, he makes us lie down in green pastures. Why does it say he makes us do that? Because you and I know we don't do it on our own. There's a reason the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. If he didn't have to command it, we would do it naturally. But he's got to command you, would you slow down and would you rest? He makes you lie down in green pastures to restore your soul. And he guides us in paths of righteousness. And we believe that when we are stressed, pressed, stretched, confused, and challenged, that if we walk in paths of righteousness, we will see peace produced in our lives. Jesus' words are clear. In me, you will have peace. Peace. Try him. He can take it. I promise you. He can take it. He took our beating when he was tied to a post and whipped. He took our death when he was nailed upon a cross. He took the weight of all of our sin on his soul. He can take your fear. He can take your doubt. He can take your conflict. He can take your anger. He can handle it. I promise you. Would you give it to him? Would you surrender control of your life, all that you're holding on to? Would you give it to the Savior who has bared our burden already on the cross? The one who has overcome this world already. The one who says, if you want to spill your mess, if you want to blow your lid, if you want to just let somebody know how you feel, let me know. Seek me. Find me with the Father. Ask. And you will receive. You have not because you ask not. Can we pray? And would you pray with me? I don't know if you're having conflict with your spouse, with your family, with yourself. You're confronting your loneliness. I don't know if you're, what, what your challenge is in this season. Maybe it's financial. You're pressed to the end of your limit. Maybe you have pride boiling in you, anger, frustration. Your, your sense of, of how you could control things has been gone. Maybe you're just worn out. Moms, I feel you trying to raise these kids, trying to be a wife, trying to, trying to homeschool, trying to do it all, keep the house clean, but people living in the house, so the house is always messy. How do you keep it clean? 
and you're just worn out and God seems further away than he's ever felt before, can I tell you that the presence of your trial is not the absence of God. It's the presence of God. Seek and you will find him where he's always been with the Father, waiting for you to ask that he would draw near to you. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for being a present help in a time of trouble, for being near to us, for desiring us, for never leaving us, for giving us the warning, for letting us know that this world is going to challenge us, it's going to press us, it's going to stress us, it's going to make us be uncomfortable. That is our portion. We're going to give more than we've ever given. We're going to, we're going to do more than we ever, ever wanted to do. But we can be bold in this. We can have courage in this. We can take heart in this because we have a God that has overcome the weight and the sin and the oppression of this world. That is who we have in you. If you're watching this message, maybe you're running it back on YouTube, maybe somebody who is watching it live shared this with you, or maybe you're watching us live on Wednesday night, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You haven't called him Lord of your life. Or maybe you used to, but your life doesn't look anything like that anymore. You know, there's never a bad time to make a good decision. And now I want to challenge you. If you're looking for peace in your life, if you're looking for still waters in the midst of the storm, now is the time. If that's you, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner in need of saving. And I believe in you. Fully God, fully man, came to live on this earth. A perfect and sinless life. You died a death I should have died. You took a beating I should have taken. You bore my sin and my shame on my behalf that you would wash me white as snow. Jesus, fill me from the inside out with your still and present living water. If that's you, would you text the word new life, N-E-W-L-I-F-E, new life, to the phone number 25827. You can't go through this journey alone. You cannot. You cannot walk through this life alone. We want to walk with you through it. So if you text that, one of us will reach out to you and connect and we'll start your journey and we will walk with you, encourage you and support you and make sure that what is being produced in you is reflective of the good shepherd who has guided you up to this moment. If you need prayer, maybe this, this quarantine season, these eight weeks have challenged your marriage. There is so much tension and conflict in the house. You just need some help. I get it. I get it. You're not alone. You're not alone. I've been talking with a lot of couples going through what you're going through. What is wrong is to go through it alone. What is wrong is to try to bear it on your own strength. We are here to pray with you and to walk with you and to counsel you. So click live prayer, email info at grace, info at gracecove.org. Connect with us so we can walk with you. Church, our God is sovereign. He reigns over everything. Nothing happens on this earth that he's not aware of. He is king over all of it. May you be reminded in this season of that truth 
that you have a God who draws near. You have a God who is able. You have a God who is with you. You have a God. If you didn't hear Pastor Corey's beautiful waste message last week, go back and listen to that and reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus for you. It has been a privilege to walk with you in this season. May you be blessed. May you find Jesus more than ever before. And may you be led by streams of living water. Can't wait to worship with you on Sunday. Have a great week.